Welcome to the MUFG Global Markets Podcast. I'm John Cook, and today we have a special episode. We're joined by both George Goncalves, MUFG's head of U.S. macro strategy, as well as Glenn Schultz, our director of prepayment modeling. It's Tuesday, October 17th, 2023. Welcome to the podcast, George and Glenn. It's great to be on. This is definitely a special event. Long in the making. Yeah. Yeah, great. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. So, um, you know, George, I guess to set the stage, um, and, and why don't we start with you? Uh, you and your team, uh, with some, with an assist from Glenn, just published a very comprehensive strategy report called the State of Housing. Um, you know, you're you're touch on a number of different things, but you know, one of the themes I thought found most interesting was the impact of higher rates um, on affordability, uh, potential lasting effect on housing and mortgage macro fundamentals. Uh, you know, in general, um, so it's pretty pretty comprehensive piece. Without going into every detail, why don't you provide some of the high points um, on what you learned on housing fundamentals and why did you decide to publish this report now yeah no that's a great starting point and i think like you know our uh, initial kind of take on this was you know let, let's look at it through the lens of, of rates and really you know there hasn't been a lot of focus on housing lately we've been focusing on you know the kind of just general uh, increase in debt in the system the higher rates the kind of disinversion or normalization of long-term wage and long-term rates and, that, and how that's feeding into the all-in mortgage rate as well, and so we thought it was like it was the appropriate time to actually do a deep dive and really get a like a, a glimpse of like can the housing market, can the mortgage market really survive at you know eight percent or more, and like what does that mean? Uh, you know, what does it mean for affordability? You know how do these metrics compare to his the history? And there's been a lot of you know these kind of old adages that I used to pay twelve or fifteen percent mortgages back in the day, and you know, we wanted to kind of dispel some of these uh, kind of myths that just because you paid higher rates in the past doesn't mean it really equals to the same sort sort of situation that we're faced with now, which is, you know, we're at a time where affordability is actually at, you know, historical worst levels given both the combination of high house prices as well as, uh, you know, the multi-decade high and, and rates. And then, of course, there's consequences to that in terms of mortgage production, in which Glenn can go, get into. But we really thought that this was a time to look, take a, a closer look at you know, a is you know are these rates uh, sustainable at these higher levels? Can housing weather this, and and for how long? And and how does it compare to history? And you know what we found by going through this was that you know we really are in stretched territories. Uh, you know, for example, just as some 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 uh, facts from the piece, which you know folks can get more detail by going through the full report. But you know, on average, what we found interesting, and this is again an artifact of a 40-year bond bull market where rates kept going lower and lower each time. But on average, you know, housing um, kind of mortgage payments for you know the average day American US households has been somewhere between $800 $1,200 a month, give or take in nominal terms, by the way. You know, that you know, roughly let's call it a thousand dollars. You know, a thousand bucks, but house prices kept going higher and higher over the last 30, 40 years. And that really speaks to the power of lower rates over a 30, 40 year window. You know, allow you know, folks to afford you know, much more expensive homes and, and, you know, at times upgrade their homes as well. So, you know, we're now at a point where rates are going in the opposite, no longer declining. We've probably seen the gen- generational lows in rates. Now they're normalizing, going back up again. 
And that really then calls into question if there's got to be a balance between either incomes have to rise a lot further and or housing prices have to decline and rates have to decline as well. So like the piece of these the pieces of this puzzle suggest that you know, th there is obviously a solution for this and it's going to be either going to come from some sort of some sort of combination of lower house prices or stable prices and lower rates and incomes have to kind of backfill and continue to rise in order to really what has amounted to uh, nearly a double in the qualifying income for uh, you know for mortgages as per the Atlanta Fed uh, affordability model, like up from like fifty thousand to over a hundred thousand, is what's really now needed now to have a, a home in the U.S. Given where rates are and the average uh, home price of four hundred thousand, uh, and you know that's really uh, basically a doubling of the mortgage payment from just three or four years ago, and a lot of this increase again happened on the back of. The Fed hiking as aggressively as they've done in the last 18 months, the QT, and just the additional supply pushing up you know, term premiums. So we felt that this was the time to do this and then, then look more closely for what it means for the mortgage market, which has been suffering from these higher rates uh, and really changing the, the overall dynamic. Yeah, that, that's super interesting. I mean, like there's there's clearly something uh, I don't know if wrong is the right word, but there's there's clearly something in, in in need of adjustment in that in that market. At the same time, it's very different than like you know heading into 08 where you know it, where things felt extremely bubbly. It doesn't feel like that at all. Um, in fact, and if you're a homeowner who you know who owns a home has one of these low coupon mortgages, you're you're doing just great. But it just really it really does boggle the mind, as you said, George, to have like people you know if you're going out and buying a phone home, you're your your monthly payment is two x what it was before the sell off. So, you know, I, I look at the coupon stack, you know, almost every day, and you've got, you know, you've got like eleven tradable coupons, you know, anywhere between like a seventy eight to par dollar price. You know, it's just it's it's absolutely it's like nothing I've ever seen before. Um, so, Glenn, uh, I think George did a great job of setting the stage. Um, why don't we discuss some of the particulars of the mortgage market with you? Uh, particularly interested in you know uh, higher loan balances, uh, lower production activity. Uh, the broadening of the coupon stack, as as I just kind of alluded to, um, basis has gotten destroyed. It's it's at it's at I don't know, maybe record wides. Um, you know, there's a lot to to talk about here, so I'll sort of defer to you as to what to focus on, um, and perhaps we could follow up in subsequent episodes. Um, but you know, I guess where where are we with with mortgages? Um, you know, are we in a holding pattern until rates you know ever stop selling off um, and perhaps rally back? Uh, you know, until until it triggers a refi wave. I mean, I know there's a lot there, but but give us give us your high level thoughts. Yeah, sure. Um, well, you know, we started this year with a with sort of a current coupon basis projection of something like. 100 to 120 basis points. So, you know, and arguably that was uh, inside of where uh, most people were. At, but our view was really, you know, uh, anchored on this idea that that we were going to show very, very low net production. So our, our net production number, 200 to 400 billion range at the same time uh, at the beginning of the year was was actually on, well, we were the lowest, not just the low end, we were the low end. Uh, and, and that part has kind of pulled through into fruition. So we're probably going to see uh, net uh, supply around just under maybe 400 billion, so the higher end of our range. Uh, but that's really kind of like a multi-decade, decade, multi-decade multi low in terms of uh, production, in terms of net issuance. Then, then, you know, what happened, I think, is we got into the first quarter with SBB Bank, 
and, and some of the regional banks. And of course, that brought their MBS portfolio basically into the supply. So I think that that had something to do with where we are on, on the basis. And then volatility has exploded. Rates, obviously, in terms of the mortgage, 30-year mortgage rate, uh, much higher than than people had expected. And so that's the, you know, that's kind of the, the primary secondary spread at play there as well. So, yeah, we end up in a situation where the current coupon basis is right around 190. So this is what I would call a stress level, um, you know, meaning that the whole system is under some sort of liquidity or credit stress, and that's being reflected in the mortgage spread. And, and we're not there. So if you look at sort of the drivers of the current coupon spread, volatility, curve inversion, you know, they're probably calling for something on the order of about 150 basis points. We're at 190. Um, so, so we're definitely kind of out there. Now, do we sit out there for a while? Well, I, you know, that's a little bit difficult to say. Uh, it kind of depends what goes on with corporates. Um, I think right now in terms of spread product mortgages are probably the cheapest that uh, that they can be. They're probably the cheapest sector that are out there. But there are some headwinds against that, right? And you touched on that higher loan balance. So the increase in home prices, you know, has had its impact on, you know, affordability. And we've seen that in production. But then we've also seen, you know, an upward migration or drift in terms of loan balances as home prices go up and higher loan balances results in a more negatively convex market. So when you look at sort of the S-curve representation, right, about how your maximum and minimum CPR under, you know, in the money borrower incentive versus out of the money borrower incentive, you can see that we have a much more negatively convex market, where in fact, TBA eligible cohorts uh, now can hit pre-financing uh, terminal velocities equal to what we used to see in the jumbo market being 60, 80, 80 CPR. So, so that negative convexity then translates obviously into a higher option cost. Uh, and so you end up with higher option costs maybe lower OAS and then, you know, kind of wider spreads. So I assume we could make some argument for, you know, something on the order of a little bit systemically wider spreads based upon the negative convexity of this market, say, versus 10 years ago. Uh, but that doesn't get us, you know, to where we are today. So the market is is very cheap. Now, in terms of what has affordability done to the overall housing market, you know, as you mentioned, we have a coupon stack that's very, very broad, like you said, as broad as I've ever seen it. And, you know, essentially everything is a discount or just about, right? Uh, and so, you know, when you look at, you know, mortgage-backed securities sporting a 78 80 $81 price, you know, the low, low coupons, one and a half, whatnot, um, I think that the way to look at these properly is really as a, a, a long-dated option on uh, long-term interest rates, right? So a long-dated call option on interest rates. In that sense, I think they're very, very cheap, these coupons, because normally you get into a long-dated option situation and you, know, you have uh, obviously decay. And these are essentially, in my view, uh, long-dated options on long-dated interest rates that actually have carried. 
So, so there, I think there's an opportunity, but you know, that's somewhat stale money in the sense that, you know, it's not going to be immediately monetized in, in the way, how are you going to monetize the OAS uh, of the lower coupons or the higher OAS and the OAS smile? Well, you have to wait and that takes time. So how you put that in your portfolio and when is obviously a question, but I think it definitely belongs there. The reason is that I do think that the housing market is somewhat returning to the old normal or, or normalizing to the pre-2003, uh, pre-cheap money, lower zero bound, in the sense that we have very, very high interest rates and, and existing home sales obviously have fallen. Uh, but they really haven't fallen to the point where I would say, wow, the housing market has, you know, has collapsed. So existing home sales are down, but not down that much. Uh, turnover uh, is actually higher than many people had predicted. So that helps the, you know, the discount story. Um, and then, you know, like I said, um, you know, I do believe that we'll have a refi wave somewhere down the road. Uh, and that's going to impact, you know, the six and a half, six, I think five and a half, maybe fives, depending on where we go. I think four and a half, five, five and a half interest rate long term isn't isn't out of the question. And, and potentially with home price appreciation, you could bring in three and a half and fours uh, for cash out refis. So so there is a refi wave uh, on on our horizon. Uh, and, you know, the extent of it is obviously going to be a function of where the 30-year rate settles, but a four, four and a half uh, mortgage rate would produce, I think, a pretty substantial refi, something that we've never seen as far as refi waves are concerned. Uh, so the answer is we're kind of on a holding pattern until something happens, um, but, you know, the space is cheap. Thanks for that, Glenn. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff there that like that kind of makes sense, but I, I like how you how you broke it down. Very interesting the point you make on how you could see in in a sort of refi uh, scenario, you could see conventional mortgages uh, exhibiting properties that are very jumbo like because of all that appreciation. Um, uh, so a lot of sounds like a lot of risk, but a lot of reward to uh, to mortgages, particularly some of those lower coupon ones. Um, so George, why don't we come back to you? I think it'd be I think the way I'd like to close things out would be to tie all this back to the bigger macro policy picture. Um, you know, the market, the Fed, the Fed's balance sheet. Um, you know what the Fed does does next in terms of the short rate, how you know how rates out the curve trade. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll hand it to you. Yeah, absolutely. And, the, and Glenn did a great job there. And you know, to kind of re reiterate some of those points, and which, which we share also in the broader strategy team around that mortgages are cheap, but they can stay cheap until some of these, uh, you know, kind of vectors change in a way that uh, Glenn described. But I, I mean, I think we can kind of build a picture that, you know, it's it's the wrong time of the year. It's we're heading towards the end of the year. Uh, it's been a you know, tough environment for the mortgage market, you know, two years in a row. And so, it's going to be hard to get you know new capital at this point to really uh, come in here and really change things. And, and I think in many ways, again, this is the um, the artifacts of the whole regional bank, uh, you know, which you know crisis, um, you know, reset, whatever you want to call it. Um, it did buy time, but it also put mortgage paper back into the system, as Glenn mentioned, uh, and it also, in many ways, oddly helped out the um, the housing market because rates were lower during the first half of the year. 
And so that did help out overall the, the housing market stay relatively bid. And so we've had all these kind of cross currents that have been kind of uh, muddying the waters and not allowing us to have a real good sense of what the next move is. But I agree. I mean, Glenn's assessment of like the mortgages uh, that, you know, offer you the, kind of like a long option uh, or cheap long option on, on long-term rates. If we do get rates to decline, uh, especially on the uh, da- down the stack on these deeply discounted mortgages, I think that is what we're, I think, you know, looking at and thinking about what that means for the 2024 environment in 2025. Uh, I mean, it's possible. We know the Fed you know, has been very clear that they want to be higher for longer. The question is, what's that mean? I mean, how is higher for longer two, three years as their sort of dots suggest, or is it just more of them fucking tough to ensure that they get uh, what they want out of uh, getting inflation down to a much more manageable level? As we wait, I think the, the thing for us is that there's obviously consequences for all of these things as you know, both either you, you can uh, sit around in, in cash and you can start to think about when do you average into to mortgages because you know, cash actually pays now and you can kind of wait and, and get into that uh, as the as the calendar turns. Um, I do think the points that Glenn made, which you know we also emphasize in the piece, which is you know the charts that he provided, the idea of how negatively convex this market is could also have consequences in the rates markets if we were to see kind of a big uh, wave building and what that would mean for you know negative convexity for the for the rates market, I think that's a, a topic that we've all kind of almost put in the back burner because we think like, well, the market's not we think, but the market's acting as if it's never going to happen. You know, the mortgage market is, is kind of uh, drifting out in, uh, to, to see and therefore it's not going to really ever display its uh, more historical patterns of triggering uh, a convexity type uh, receiving environment. So I think that would be something to watch out as well. But, you know, given our rates path uh, and the policy implications on, on, on Fed, I mean, they probably want to see a, a further cooling of the housing market, takes away some of the, you know, pressures on shelter inflation and just, you know, which is a big part of the CPI and the, one of the big parts of the basket on the OER. I think they, they would probably welcome a decline in housing prices. Uh, I mean, we think not. Nominally speaking, housing could drop, you know, ten to fifteen percent, and it could be over a shorter window, and it might be in, you know, certain areas. Uh, but that will pale in comparison to what we saw during the GFC, because it's a very different uh, situation. It took, took five years to bottom out uh, after the GFC. I think if we get any sort of quick reaction from the Fed uh, and a, some sort of economic weakness, they're going to probably cut pretty quickly uh, and get rates maybe down to three percent. That means that. You know, given current spreads, or even if spreads were to tighten, you know, at best five to six percent mortgages. I mean, maybe that's enough to give us maybe not a monster refi wave, as as Glenn would suggest at four, four and a half. But even getting down to five percent might be enough to uh, incentivize those that are on the fence that want to move, you know, get a new job or whatever the case may be. They have a lot of equity in their home. They'll be able to sell, move, move and you'll see some turnover building uh, just from that that point. So I don't think we have to go back to 3% mortgages in order to get people to move again. And that means as Glenn, you know, models have shown that prepays would also pick up in the Fed's mortgage portfolio. So that, that, you know, that could also then help with the quantitative tightening, which is what the Fed wants to do. They have way too much liquidity in the system and that would uh, kind of supercharge the mortgage uh, prepay. So ironically, the Fed hiking rates has actually slowed down the mortgage prepay part, which is the one of the, you know, they have 2.5-ish or somewhere around that point mortgages on their book. They need to really kind of get get the, that portfolio much smaller. So these things that they've worked themselves out over the next 18 months, 
with the Fed stopping, eventually cutting rates uh, because of you know macro conditions, inflation comes back down, both from the OER and other reasons, and we get you know a lower rate environment, which then means any sort of housing correction will be short lived. Okay, uh, a lot there. So I I don't think I'll summarize any more. Um, but I really would encourage our listeners to check out the recently published U.S desk strategy piece, the state of housing. And if you are not receiving George or Glenn's stuff directly, get in contact with them. Uh, great stuff as always. Thank you, George. And thank you, Glenn. Thank you. All right. Great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Pleasure. And thank you for listening to the MUFG Global Markets Podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And reach out to your MUFG sales rep for any further information. Check back soon for more insights from the Global Markets Research Team.